Well, welcome in podcast listeners, Facebook watchers. We are back today with a regular edition of the Deep End Podcast. We are talking about lots of stuff, tragedy this past weekend and what's coming up this weekend and lots of things that are important for the church and for your life. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we are going to be back at it. And I welcome you in to the Deep End. The Deep End Podcast. Welcome to the Deep End Podcast, brought to you by Waters Church in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. The Deep End is where we go deeper in the scriptures to empower our walk with God. If you're watching on Facebook Live, we're glad you joined us, and we encourage you to be a part of the conversation in the comments below. If you're listening in on SoundCloud or your podcast app, be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let's go live to Pastor Tim Hatch as we get started with today's podcast. This is The Deep End. Hello, Waters Church and fellow listeners, watchers. We are so glad to have you with us in The Deep End Podcast. This is, I am Pastor Tim, uh, pastor of North Attleboro Campus Waters Church, and welcome to the Milford Woonsocket campuses as well. We want to let you know we love you guys. Glad to have you. Awesome things happening at Milford and Woonsocket. People getting baptized pretty soon, giving their life to Jesus. That's an amazing thing. Welcome into the podcast as well, everybody. Chris McEwen, Pastoral Care Director. Shane Parsons, Executive Pastor. Hello. Hello. And Shane, that's quite the hat you got on over there. Yep. It's a Waters Church hat, everybody. Limited edition. Limited edition Waters Church hat. So how do I get one? How do you get a Waters Church hat like that? Yeah. Uh, let's have a contest. <laughs> All right. We got one right here. Not mine. I'm not giving that one up, but we got a new one right here. All right. That's Brand quite new. the segue right there. Yeah. Good one, Chris. How no, are we going to let one of our lucky podcast listeners get a hold of that amazing limited edition hat? Trivia. Go ahead. Tri- no. Trivia Give me a question? Yeah. Trivia. Oh, what, uh, Ask the question. What was the question? Who, who oh, is celebrating? Who, who turned, who was celebrating the birthday yesterday? Who turned 99 yesterday? 99. 99. Who turned 99 yesterday? You might know this. You, you should know this if you're a Christian. <laughs> oh, well, there's uh, a hint. There's a hint. Yeah. So we'll wait for the answer there. Very yeah. important man of God. Oh, now I've. Yeah. Been, I mean, yeah. I mean geez, no, you, you got three seconds <laughs> if you don't have it by now. And it wasn't, it wasn't Shane. Ah. Oh. 99? 99. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I had a sword over It here. wasn't Shane. Something else that you'll notice. There we go. Who got it? Who got, who got Amy it? Pappas won. Amy yeah. Pappas. What's the answer? Give your life to Christ tonight. Let him give you a new heart. The Make fabulous. Make you a new person. Billy Graham. Billy Graham. Joy 99. Happy birthday, Billy Graham. Yeah. Long, for now it'll cost you something. I like that guy. I'll tell you, he's an amazing man of God. Yep. So how do you get that hat? She can go to Info Central on the weekend. I think she comes Saturday night. She there can pick it go. up. Not oh. that of our campus. Great. There you go. That's Limited wonderful. edition. There you go. Congratulations, Amy Pappas. Mm. <laughs> probably Matt. Matt will probably wear it, though. I think. Matt will wear the hat. Yeah. Um, so we uh, also wanted to just point out that the podcast has elevated today. Literally. Elevated yeah. our desks. Right. We are standing. We Look are. at this. Standing. Woo. Standing is good for the blood pressure. It's good for the heart. Helps you. <laughs> Keeps you healthy. And our producer, Michael, is still there. He's behind the monitor right there. There he is. Hey, Michael. Stand, Michael. Stand and join us. Yes. There he is. No, standing is good for the heart. That's what they say. Yeah. I have one of these desks in my office, and as I'll tell you, man, sometimes it's just good to just stand and not have to sit all day. But it is a standing or sitting yes, desk, Yes, it goes right? up and down. There's a little control underneath the desk here. 
Do oh, there is. Are you guys enjoying standing, or would you rather be lazy and sit? Well, I've only been standing about three minutes. Yeah, we'll so I think we do I have options. There are stools here. If our legs start shaking, we'll see how it is at the end. I think we can make it. <laughs> yeah, you got <laughs> you got stools for the wimps. Shane usually gets about three, four thousand steps in a day, so I think he'll be okay. <laughs> no, he gets like twelve thousand steps. Twelve thousand. We have this oh, little. An hour. Team. I, I, we yeah. all we all have like these step counters. Right. Exactly. And Shane is blowing everybody away. Yeah. We're wondering what is going on. Why does this guy get so many more steps than everybody? Then we figure out. We're watching him talk you ever watch him talk uh, with his hands with his hands he's like a conductor he that's conducts right. as he talks all over the place so step step that. step 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 no, cheaters that's not true <laughs> <laughs> he denies no. he denies okay that's 20 000 steps <laughs> oh man all right anyway um we need to talk about something that is not so <clears throat> fun to talk about really and it's um an important issue for the church because it relates to what happened this past weekend many of you have already heard the news i'm sure all of you have heard the news in sutherland springs texas just outside of san antonio a terrible shooting in this little church little baptist church um and uh 26 people came came to church that day to worship jesus and ended up meeting jesus yeah was it 26 yeah. face to face wow. uh 18 months old to 77 months uh, years old and uh, just very sad story yeah and uh chris you were talking about this with um with us in our meeting today but not today yes uh monday right just the things that the news outlets are even hearing the gospel through this terrible thing Oh, yeah. I went home that night, and I think it was Sunday night. Couldn't believe it. And I was flipping from Fox to CNN and local news, and it was an opportunity. It really was. And you could see God using that as an opportunity. The gospel was pre mm. preached on CNN, on Fox News. And as they were interviewing people, they were just talking about standing in their faith, already yeah. forgiving the people that the guy who did it, you know, horribly. Yeah. But uh, it was an opportunity in the darkness for light to shine. Yeah. You know, where do we get that hope as Christians? Where do we get that forgiveness as Christians yeah. in face with these tragedies? And yeah, it was an opportunity for the gospel to be preached, and it was. And I thought that was wonderful to see some some goodness in that tragedy. Yeah. And, and then the reaction of a Christian church to this tragedy is such a testament to the power of the gospel. Right. Exactly. I mean, I hate the fact that it happened in a church. Right. But it is a test. The response of the people is a testament to the fact that uh, we are people who do not mourn as those who do not have hope. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, and exactly. we can forgive and we can, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how they found it in their heart to forgive. the. But again, that's the power of the gospel. The power right. of the gospel empowers your heart to say, I forgive you. And I think that if you're a Christian, if God ever puts you in that situation, I do believe the Holy Spirit will give you the power to do you know, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Well, you know where our hope is, and it's not in this world. Yeah. So. so let's talk about um, something that is relevant to this discussion, because some of you might be thinking, okay, well, what does Waters Church do to make sure things like this doesn't does not happen here? Yeah. And uh, we want to let you know about that stuff. We'll take this opportunity to talk about that. We have a, secu a security team at Waters Church. Shane, you are our executive pastor. You oversee that. So give yeah. us some give us some info on, you know, for anybody coming to Waters Church, that there's really no need to feel hesitant about coming to our church right. uh, by God's grace, but that we are doing a lot in terms of precaution to make sure things sure. like this don't take yep. place here. We've had a security team since day one mm -hmm. uh, in the old building even. There's about... 12 guys under uh, Carl Weber, who's fantastic, passionate about fantastic. the safety of this place and yes. the people in the place. Yeah. Um, so they're stationed all over the place uh, during a service, uh, be, you know, really focusing on the kids' rooms and the main lobby, and there's people in the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. um, so they got it covered. Um, we spent quite a bit of money on cameras 
So we see people before they even get into the building. Mm -hmm. There's a guy, there's people that just monitor the cameras. That's their job for yeah. the whole service. Who's coming in, who's coming out. Um, and uh, so um, we met with the North Attleboro town, uh, police chief and about six uh, policemen Monday morning. They showed up. We've been asking for a long time for them to come check out the new building. But sadly, you know, an event like this gets people's attention. So yeah. they all showed up Monday. Yeah. And uh, they looked at the per uh, perimeter. They looked at the layout. Um, and uh, they gave us some suggestions, wh which we're going to uh, take very seriously. We're starting to do that stuff already. We're in the process of hiring a consultant to uh, walk through with us. Um, and also uh, in Milford and Woodsocket, too, he's going to go there. He's going to check out the schools, make Great. sure there's safe places if something did tragically happen that you know we know we know where to go yeah and people know what to do yeah and the bottom line is that we are not we are not going to react we are going to be proactive and anticipate right and make sure that we protect your children protect your family protect all of you uh one of the things that you see at waters church in uh when you're the first time you pull in in all three locations uh you know milford winsock and north Attleboro, there's a parking team uh, there's people on radios connecting with people inside the church already, mm -hmm. and they're already talking about, look, this person's coming in, and I don't know, they were a little bit rude to the parking attendant, so just make sure you he's got a yellow hat on, and make sure you know you, yep. you take precautions with this person. Right. Uh, so if you come to Waters Church and you're rude to our parking attendants, we're already targeting <laughs> you. <laughs> <They> uh, <know. laughs> yeah. Those people do such a good job at parking our cars, and they are worthy of our honor and respect, and I thank God for the Fontaines who yeah, uh, oversee that ministry. That. Yep. Kathy and David. Yeah, uh, at North Attleboro, but there's two, there's two teams in the uh, other campuses as well. Oh, yep. um, and these people go out of their way to get to our building early and make sure that the parking is coordinated and organized and easy and helpful. And um, if you're giving them a hard time, man, I, I really I really uh, don't like that. I would, I would really appreciate you just showing them a lot of respect, a lot of love. Yeah. They're working hard to make sure that Waters Church is uh, organized and safe. Uh, and, and, you know, a good place to come with the whole family and you don't have to feel at all, you know, anxious at all. Right. You know. Yeah. They just want to help facilitate the parking. Yeah. Let the new people park where they can be discovered. Yeah. They're doing a wonderful job. And yeah, again, Carl went through the building with uh, local law enforcement, which is very important. Yep, yeah. Monday. And now they're going to Milford and Winsocket too. That's good. Yeah. I read odds, uh, odds of being uh, in a church service, which a shooting occurs. Yeah, I mean, the odds stink, no matter what the yeah. odds are. But oh, it's, yeah, it's like getting hit by lightning. Yeah, yeah. it's 1 in 6,552. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I mean, that, that's still stink. It's low odds, but it doesn't mean you go outside with a lightning rod right. in your hand. No. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I went home. You take precautions. That Sunday, I still, I, I thank God for Carl. And that I was involved in that ministry early on when I was a volunteer at yep. Waters Church. And I know what he put, Carl, and the whole team puts into oh, yeah. it. So that's a ton of time. I thank God it. for them. And again, you know, and these do. people are volunteering their time. Exactly. They're not getting paid to do this stuff. So Yeah, so don't be rude. Be nice. Yeah. All right, well, let's move into 1 Corinthians <laughs> in that light. We're going to talk about the difference between me ministry. I've called it me-ministry. Me. <laughs> if you look me on the ministry. screen here, me-ministry mm. with an M-E-ministry. Ministry versus ministry. 1 Corinthians 4, 6 to 17. Oh, Shane, you got have a question already? Oh, you got a question. Oh, wow. Does anyone on the security have a concealed carry permit? Okay. Wow. Uh, well, the short answer to that is yes. Uh, there are people, I'm sure, on our security. There's people all over our church that got a concealed carry permit. Yes. Um, I don't know who they are. But. but when it comes to guns in our church, uh, we do not make any official policy about that. Right. Uh, and, um, 
you know, I think it's important to realize that the person who was going to do more damage um, to that church in Texas with illegal firearms was stopped by somebody with legal firearms. Yeah, two uh, people actually. Two people. Yeah, yeah. two good and, Samaritans. Uh, and so, you know, I again, this political we we politicize this. I, I'm not here to make a right. you know political statement for the church. No. Uh, we're here to present Jesus. Uh, and a live according to the laws of the land that are in place. And right. we all know what the laws of the land are with concealed carry right now. We're not going to try to uh, promote or, you know, denigrate anybody who follows the law. Right. Uh, but we have these policies in place with security parking and, and all these other things, the video cameras like Shane just talked about, to make sure that you're safe. So, you know what? It's going to be it's going to be very well done. It already is. And I don't think you have anything to worry about. Yeah. Anything you want to add about that, Shane? No. Nope. Uh, should we do the out announcements before we get into? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Right. We do the I thought you were. I really gonna... jumped the gun, didn't I? Yeah. Okay. Well, announcements. Like, Here we go. Okay. I'm excited about this. So talk. growth track continues this Sunday at 11:30 in our North Alvaro campus. Growth track's going to be standing up in the other campuses soon. Yes. What's this growth track, Chris? Uh, this one is Deepin. It's the second of three that reoccur every month. And a lot of people ask me if I didn't go to the first one, can I just jump into the second one? And my answer is yes. yes. Show up. Show up this Sunday, 1130 in our Next Step Center upstairs. And uh, Jacob Wells will be teaching that one. He's doing a fantastic job. So please come. Come to growth track this Sunday at yeah. 1130. Uh, Jacob Wells, who just became a foster dad. Yes, along with to a beautiful little girl. Yeah, other four or five children. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we're going to be uh, doing more foster care in this church, and we want to promote that pretty soon. So that's something that's coming down the pike. Yeah, first yeah. of the year. First of Big the year. Big things happening with that. Um, his wife and uh, he were telling me, Jacob um, and Holly were telling me that there's like eight thousand kids waiting to be wow. fostered. Wow. And it's like, hey, we're the church, and we need to be doing this. Yeah. We need to be doing. We need to be doing what Jesus said, which is, I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty. He gave me something to drink. Foster care is a golden opportunity to be Matthew 25 Christians yeah. where we are the church and uh, don't just have a big church. Yeah. So that's coming example. up. Opportunities. And if yes, and, and maybe you're watching right now and that's what God wants you to do. And me and my wife are even praying about it. Like, <laughs> and I know we shouldn't pray about this stuff, but we need to think about it and say, okay, Lord, uh, how can we make this happen for our own family to care for those who need help uh foster care ministry coming to waters church in 2018 wow, that's great something else yeah uh this is a time in this uh, season in our church that we usually help the uh, community with uh, food you know thanksgiving and christmas is coming up so all three campuses are doing something uh to help the uh to help the uh, uh people who need some food so lenora's pantry we're going to do that in north attleboro we're going to have a giving box this weekend uh for non-perishable food items personal care products and they're going to take money and gift cards. Woonsocket's doing the same thing with local food pantries there. And Milford's um, partnering with the Salvation Army of Milford. And they're going to collect toys, gifts for children and uh, mothers in need in Amen. that community. So awesome. Some things happen in there. So people can start bringing in food and we'll collect it? This, yep. That's this weekend. That's this, this weekend. weekend. We'll take it from there. Awesome. Fantastic. The church being the church, yep. people. Yep. And anybody who says, I don't know about big churches. Well, I like big churches for this reason. Big churches can make a big difference. Do big yeah. things. Do yeah. big churches things. Churches do big things. Exactly. Big, big amounts of people that can give big amounts of money to people who need big amounts of help. Yep. Amen. Uh, all right. So can I get into the message now? Are you, are yes, sir. Thank Sorry. you. Sorry. Executive Pastor <laughs> Shane. <laughs> all right. Me, ministry versus ministry or ministry versus ministry. First Corinthians 6, uh, 4. 6 to 17. We're going to um, not read it in total 
uh, right now for sake of time, but because we're going to get right into uh, going verse by verse through this passage, because this is something that's on my heart for anybody out there. Uh, you're serving the Lord as a Christian. Again, everything that we're going to talk about is for Christians. Uh, if you're not a Christian, you can feel free to listen along and, uh, you know, point out the flaws in your Christian friends who don't live like this. <laughs> but um, cool. For the, <laughs> cool. We have a non-Christian among us right here. So anyway, <laughs> we, 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 we Christians are called to be ministers, every single one of us. But if we're, if we're not careful, we will turn ministry into ministry, which is we will do what God has us to do, not for the sake of others, not for the sake of the people around us, not for the sake of our community or the sake of the glory of the name of Jesus, but for ourselves. Right. I call that me-ministry. Yeah. Me-ministry. You know, you remember um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Love that movie. One yeah. of the best movies yeah. ever. Sean Connery. And he's going after the grail, the holy grail. Mm -hmm. He's actually, at the time, early in the movie, he's going after his father. He's right. trying to find his father. He's been captured by the Nazis. Oh, yeah. And uh, he gets chased down by these people with this um, tattoo on their chest, yeah. the cross. Remember the cross? Yeah. And they, and uh, he, the guy catches up to him, and, he, and, he's, and he's like, you know, he asks Indiana, he says, Dr. Jones, ask yourself. <laughs> you know. Great impression, by the way. For which reason do you seek the grail? Is it for your glory or for his? You know, and it's, mm. it's a great question. What are you doing what you do in the name of Christ for? For your glory or for his? For your benefit or for the benefit of other people? Mm. And if there's one thing that Paul modeled and Paul was completely against, uh, well, Paul modeled first is this idea that I am called by Christ to serve others, and that does mean benefiting others. I am not called by Christ to serve others for the benefit of myself. Now, will you get benefited by serving others? Absolutely, because Christ will reward you and he will bless you. But the primary motivation, check the motivation. Right. That's what's important, the motivation. Where's your heart? Why do you do what you do? Yep. Yeah. So watch out for the me monster in ministry. So... Before anybody here says, well, I'm not in ministry, so I don't have to listen to this podcast. Yes, you are. <laughs> if you are a Christian, you're a Christian, you sure. are in ministry 24 hours a day. You are in ministry in one of three places. You are in ministry in the church, whether or not you're paid by the church to be in ministry. Sure. Uh, as a small group leader, attender, uh, you know, any volunteer, or, and just being a Christian, you are a minister of the gospel in the church, to the church, to the body of Christ. Uh, number two, you're a minister in your home. That's you, right. You minister to your family, your yeah. wife, your 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 husband, your children, uh, your neighbors, and then also you're a minister in the marketplace. And sometimes we forget this, but we are called to be people in the world who do our jobs well, right? As Christians, yeah. And you know, uh, one of the things we 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 talked about the Reformation a couple of weeks ago because with the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther's right. 95 Thesis, yeah. right. and the Protestant Reformation, one of the things that the Protestant Reformation brought back to Christianity kind of resurrected this idea. It was already in the Bible; it was always there. We just forgot about it because that's what the Church does. We forget about what God says. But what Martin Luther brought back to the Church through the Reformation was every Christian is a priest of God. Priesthood, yeah, yeah, royal priest or yeah. priesthood of believers, he called right. it, and that your job is your ministry. Mm -hmm. And he said, um, if a shoe salesman, if a shoemaker comes and says, "Look, you know, Martin Luther, how can I, how can I serve the Lord as a shoemaker? All I do is make shoes." He goes, "Here's how you serve the Lord as a shoemaker: make great shoes, right?" Yeah. Like, don't think, okay, you're only ministering when you share your faith, when yeah. you talk about Jesus. When you invite people to church, you know, you're only ministering when you do devotions. No, you're ministering all the time. And if you are an engineer in this uh, community, if you are a, a taxi cab driver, if you are a um, public school teacher and you are a Christian, 
teach well, uh, taxi cab well, <laughs> engineer know, well. Yeah. People notice that. When people you, when you do that, that. And sure. they want to know why? why you do that. Yeah. You're weird. Yeah. To people, yeah. Well, you have an but opportunity light, to share. You're letting your light shine, yeah. and people might inquire why. What's different about this person? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And we got to remember that. Uh, I think, and I say this all the time on Sunday, but I think that Waters Church people should be the most desired employees yeah. of the community. Yeah. Because they will show up on time. Yeah. They will do extra work. They will not complain. They will not gossip. They will not do the water cooler thing mm. about the girl who can't get her act together because she's sleeping around, blah, blah, blah. We won't do that kind of stuff because we are the church of Jesus. And so we will do our jobs well. Amen. Right. Yeah. Shane? Yeah. You got something over there? Nope. Oh, yeah, that you were pointing. I got so excited that you had No, I banged my... Amen. See, those are the hand movements. He's getting steps right now, ladies and gentlemen. That was 5,000 right there. That was 5,000 steps. Just bloviating about this. Continue with the podcast, The key idea here is that we don't want Christianity to become an opportunity to serve our own importance. And I talk about Christian idolatry all the time. You know, Chris, you hear me say this all the time because you're in all the leadership classes too. Is When you are a non-Christian... There are idols available to you that you serve and you worship. The idol of success, the idol of fame, the idol of fortune, the idol of, you know, sexual pleasure, the idol of, you know, the bigger car, the bigger house, the bigger paycheck, whatever it is. All these idols that you chase, you chase, you chase. Maybe the idol of alcohol, the idol of drugs, the idol of materialism, whatever. Mm -hmm. Then you become a Christian. God saves you. And he saves you from chasing those idols. And you're glad about it because you realize through many, many years of terrible experience, that those idols were empty. Right. They Don't destroyed any you. happiness. And sure. so you turn to Christ and he saved you. He's like, oh, I'm free. I'm free from these idols. But if you're not careful, you'll take good things in the Christian experience and turn them into idols. Yeah. Get self-righteous. And yeah. And, and what, are the, what is an idol? Because we throw this around all the time. An idol in the, in the ancient world was a piece of stone that they turned into a god or a piece of tree wood that they turned into god. Well, in the modern world, we just take cars or we take you know um, notoriety or we take fame or we take facebook likes or instagram likes or whatever and we turn those things into um things that we serve to va find value yeah to find you know self-worth to find security because we know we're somebody and the gospel comes and says no you're secure because god loves you mm -hmm. you're it's secure true. because god saved you through his son jesus you're secure because he has found you he has made you who he wants you to be and now your primary identity is rooted in that not in how many people like your facebook right posts or your instagram posts or how big is your car or how big is your house and there's tons of christian idols that we take we take these good things that god wants to give his people and we turn them into things that say this makes me a good christian right like for instance the perfect christian family if all my kids are serving the Lord, that validates me as a parent. Yeah, That's a Christian idol. If sure. you're looking for validation and how your children behave as a Christian parent, you are serving that idol. You are serving the obedience of your children. And if they don't turn out like good Christians, you will feel worthless. Right. That's called Christian idolatry uh, or having the perfect Christian mate. And I talked about this a couple of weeks ago with that book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. I kiss dating goodbye where, where the guy said, basically, you know, all forms of dating in the world is evil. So you got to avoid it all as a Christian. And then God will bless you with the perfect mate. Oh, it's boy. like, are you serving God there or are you serving the perfect yeah. mate opportunity? Again, right. Christian idolatry, popular Christian ministry, big Christian church, like pastors get this. We want a big church to validate who we are as leaders. And if our church isn't big enough, we feel like we're worthless. That's just Christian idolatry. Worrying about the numbers. Yeah. yeah. And so what we've done, we've taken good things and we've turned them into ultimate things. Right. And they become destructive things. Yeah. Because we're not serving God. We're serving the thing. 
because we're thinking, if I get that, if I have that, then I am worthy. And so this is where ministry comes from. I'll give you another example. Shane, you know this probably more than anybody in our church. The microphone. Oh, yeah. The, the worship leader's <laughs> yeah. microphone. Yeah. Oh, it is an idol in the church. Oh, my gosh. Take the microphone away and see what happens to the singer who looked really spiritual yeah, right. singing up there on the stage. Good word. <laughs> Suddenly they're not so spiritual. I haven't been to church in a while. Yeah, right? yeah. We, <laughs> we, we've had this happen at Waters Church many times. Um, I thank God that it's not happening right now yeah, as far just, as I'm concerned. Yeah, I was just going to say that. You know, these, yeah, t- not, these singers are amazing. And you see, this is what you see. If you go to our campuses, you should see this. A oh. singer will be up on stage one week, and then another week they'll be at the door greeting you. Yeah. Uh, with the kids. Yeah, they'll That's be with the kids. One. They'll be serving in the cafe. A lot of them. Yeah. Very humble, very good servants. Exactly. Yeah. They'll be in small group. Yeah. So it's not like it's a problem now, but I've seen it before. Sure. Where the microphone becomes like this thing. I am validated because I sing well in front of people. I am validated. And even as pastors, even as preachers, I am validated when you think that the, men- the message was good. But again, if I fall into that trap, then am I serving your approval of the message or am I serving Christ in giving you the message, whether or not you liked the message? Right. So we've got to be careful about this me-nistry uh, mentality. Now, there's a guy on YouTube who is fantastic. His name, oh, yeah. he's a millennial. Okay. Uh, he's, his, he's a comedian. His name is John Christ. And uh, he, oh. talks about, <laughs> he talks about <laughs> Christian devotions and how even like having your, and, and for those of you who don't know, or new Christians, devotions is when you you get alone with the bible and you do your little private time with god and you pray um and then you know sometimes you'll see this on on instagram as people will post pictures of their devotions (laughs) look at me worship god look at how holy (laughs) i am look at me i've really spent time with the lord Mm. um and uh basically uh, ignoring everything that jesus said about doing this stuff (laughs) and he came up with this great (laughs) this great um comedic uh, videos called Christian Girl Instagram. I want to show it to you. This is fantastic. It's funny. Just watch. Are you a Christian girl that loves taking photos of her devotions? Do you spend hours framing the perfect picture without the payoff of people noticing how spiritual you are on the internet? Introducing Christian Girl Instagram, 101 tips and tricks to get more likes on your devotional photos. Hi, I'm John Christ with Christian Girl Instagram. Do you struggle to get likes on those devotional Instagram photos? Hashtag the struggle is real. From the best-selling author of shameless workout (laughs) selfies comes Christian Girl Instagram. I would always get totes stressed out trying to decide which Bible verse to show. Not anymore. Okay, you're always going to want to stay away from common verses like Jeremiah 29.11 or John 3.16. No matter what verse you choose, you always want to make sure you highlight multiple verses with multiple colors. (laughs) Because after all, what's the point of having devotions if no one knows about it? I used to spend five minutes reading the Bible, then like 30 minutes trying to figure out a hashtag. (laughs) Then I found Christian Girl Instagram. My book includes over a thousand hashtag suggestions like Coffee with Colossians, Bliss, Serenity, Much Needed, and of course, hashtag blessed. Buy Christian Girl Instagram today and we'll include our 31-piece package of options to put in the background of your photo. Things like a candle, a Precious Moments doll, a subscription to Relevant Magazine, kale chips, and of course, a coffee cup with a Bible verse on it. Thanks to inspiration from Christian Girl Instagram, I took down my Marilyn Monroe poster and replace it with footprints in the sand. So clear <laughs> off what's really on your desk and replace it with new products from Christian Girl Instagram. 
Christian Girl Instagram now includes bonus tips, like if you're gonna include your hand in the photo, always wear a purity ring. <laughs> and if you're gonna include additional reading material in the background of your photo, always avoid extremes. We don't want people to think you're too prosperity driven by maybe having some Joel Osteen, yet we don't want people to worry about your theology by having some Rob Bell or Mark Driscoll, okay? <laughs> you wanna stay right in the middle, maybe some Joyce Meyer, some Beth Moore would be perfect. And remember, <laughs> Anything leather-bound is really gonna pop with that Valencia Instagram filter. Christian Girl Instagram is great. My devotions are now constantly being interrupted by people liking my posts. <laughs> Bye now, and I'll also include my additional book, Announcing Your Social Media Fast. <laughs> Tips and tricks for effectively telling people you're fasting while ignoring all of Jesus' teachings about telling people you're fasting. <laughs> Christian Girl Instagram can be yours today. This book and so much more available to you all for the cost of less than a pair of yoga pants. I don't always do devotions, but when I do, I Instagram it. <laughs> We're so confident in our product that yeah, if you're yeah, not we'll total... Okay. Uh, yeah, so that's ministry. <laughs> Shane's ordering it right now. Actually. <laughs> if you're not on following uh, John Christ on YouTube, you should be. He uh, is fantastic. He is hysterical. Funny. Anyway, back to Corinthians, because this was the Corinthian problem. They um, wanted to be noticed. They wanted their Christianity to be celebrated. Mm. And they were a reflection of their city more than they were influencing their city. Their city was influencing them. Because their city was about uh, wisdom, their city was about what you know. How could you? How well could you speak? And we've talked about these issues a lot in this right. um, in this series of messages through First Corinthians. But three issues were at the core of the Corinthian church. Number one, they loved human wisdom. They loved what the world offered, and so it was part of their culture. So they chased it. Number two, they des they desired the approval of the world around them. They wanted people to like them. Uh, as Christians, sure. and uh, that's also always a dangerous place. Number three, they took pride in their accomplishments in doing these two things. So if they were liked and they were smart and people thought they were smart and they liked them, then they thought, okay, wow, look at us. We are important people. And they did this to the extent that they started to demean and um, kind of crit criticize Paul the Apostle who led them to Christ in the first place. Mm -hmm. And now they were kind of saying, you know, who's Paul anyway? He's a nobody. We've, <laughs> we've moved beyond Paul. It's like, how can you possibly think that you've moved beyond the man God, yo you know, chose to spread the gospel everywhere right. to end up writing one-third of the New Testament? No kidding. Uh, you know, and it's this is a problem in our day today, even now. We always got to be on our guard about this as Christians because we want to be liked. We want to be validated. We want people to think we are worth something and we will even use our christian you know practices our christian doing our christian serving to to get people to like us sure uh, and then it becomes a thing about well this is my ministry this is my position this is who i am in the church well what if that was taken away from you tomorrow what if tomorrow i wasn't the pastor of this church would i be okay would i still be a you know would i still be uh rooting myself in the fact that i am god's son i am god's child Again, everybody has to wrestle with these things, and it seeps into our spirits if we're not careful uh, as Christians. So, picking up 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, he says, I have applied all these things to myself, and Apollos, for your benefit, brothers, that you may not go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor over one, uh, in favor of one, uh, sorry, against another. And basically, he says, I've applied all these things. Well, what things? 
Right. Uh, remember what he said last time we were together in First Corinthians. These are the things that he applied. That he regards himself as two things, a servant of Christ and a steward of the mystery of God. So he's not a servant of the Corinthians' opinions. Right. Uh, he's not a servant of the opinions of the culture around Corinth. He's a servant of Jesus. And if that puts him at odds with people, so be it. I'm here to serve Jesus mm -hmm. and do what he wants me to do. Amen. Secondly, he says, I'm a steward of the mysteries of God. In other words, I've got to tell you what God has given me to tell you. Mm -hmm. The mysteries of God, the mysterion, which I had unpacked this a couple of weeks back when it's that word mysterion refers to knowledge only understood by the initiated. Mm -hmm. Knowledge only understood by those who are already in Christ. This is why Christians, your non-Christian friends, will not understand a lot of things about your Christianity. Right. Because there's a mysterion. There's a mystery to it. It's not that it's like some secret thing. It's just that it's only understood by those who have received Christ. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, he says, I've applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit that you may learn by us. In other words, I want you to follow my example here and so that none of you may be puffed up uh, in favor of one against another. And, uh, and this word puffed up here in first, verse 6 uh, is a word that refers to, of course, pride. Right, yep. And, you know, one of the things about Bible study is you find out how many times does a certain word show up in a guy's writing. Right. And in Paul's writing, this is amazing, the word puffed up appears seven times throughout the New Testament in Paul's writings. Wow. Six of those times is in 1 Corinthians. So yeah, he's got a point to make. He's, he's hitting them <laughs> with he's this. saying something. Yeah, yeah he's a, this is your issue, okay? Mm -hmm. The only other time it ever shows up is in Colossians, and it's not even referring to Christians. So this was the Christian problem in Corinth. They were puffed up with pride. Mm. And he says, it, I, like, I like the New Living Translation here. He says, if you pay attention to what I have quoted from the scriptures, you will not be proud of one of your leaders at the expense of another. Why does he say if you have paid attention to the scriptures? Because the scriptures do one thing um, uniformly, and that is they exalt God. Right. The scriptures make clear God is good. God is holy. God is righteous. Mankind is not. Mm -hmm. This is why the Bible is offensive to non-Christians yeah. and even to some Christians. Yeah. Because the Bible always says God is right, man is wrong. Mm-hmm. And in every generation, God is right about something and man is wrong about something. And we're so sure. We're so sure, right? In every generation. We're right. We're right. God in the Bible. Oh, that's old fashioned. That's outdated. Oh, that's so, so foolish. No. Just give it time. You'll see. It'll be proven right. And it has over the centuries. And um, the, the problem with every generation, I think, in every culture is that in some way, every generation, every culture find some way to exalt man. Yeah. This is where racism comes from. Right. Racism is the exaltation of one race of man Pulls over another. Yeah. This is where political infighting comes in on your Facebook page. This is where it comes from. Because you are convinced or they are convinced that their political stance is right and yours is wrong. Right. Okay. How, how can that be? How can you be right and they be wrong and they be right and you be wrong in their eyes? I said that pretty fast. Yeah, you did. I got it done. <laughs> Followed it. You know what I'm saying? But this is where also the self-esteem movement comes in, in our public school system. Right. Uh, we've been trying to tell kids for, what, four decades, you're special, you're a snowflake, yeah. you're amazing, you're yeah. wonderful, you're here's awesome. Here's a trophy. Yeah, here's a trophy for yeah. just swinging the bat and not hitting yeah. anything. Everyone yeah. wins. Everyone wins. <laughs> Everybody here. Everybody's awesome. Yeah. That's just not true. Not everybody is awesome. Everybody yeah. stinks. <laughs> and all you gotta God do is, is get to know a couple of good, uh, uh, get to know a couple of people really well, and you'll find out that they stink too. Yeah, yeah, just like you. Yeah. And so what the Bible t says is, no, man is not good. Man is flawed. Man is deeply flawed in his heart. 
all the time. Mm-hmm. And even his motivations can be wrong. Even his motivations for doing good things can be bad. Yeah, that's that idol. And that's that idol, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we have to go with what the Bible says here, and that's what Paul says here. You've got to learn from the Scriptures. What have the Scriptures taught you? The Scriptures have taught you that you cannot possibly take pride in man. You cannot find the root of your value in who you are as a human being before you truly find your value in what God does in your life through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So then he says this, verse 7, For who sees anything different in you? This is, he's talking to the Corinthians. What do you have that you did not receive? And I would like everybody to hear that question yeah. and answer it for yourself. Every person listening, podcast, Facebook, I don't care. What do you have that you did not receive? This question. It's big. <laughs> this should annihilate you. Right. Because you annihilate pride in you, not yeah. you. Right. Because all that you have is a gift. If you have a great job and you worked really hard, remember somebody gave you the opportunity to have that job. Yeah. Yep. If you went to the right schools and you really performed and you graduated with honors and you, okay, remember, you were probably raised by certain people who put you in the right position to get those grades Mm -hmm. and give you the time to study. Uh, There is nothing about me that I can say, wow, I did this. Uh, Did I take advantage of certain opportunities in my life? Yes. But again, those opportunities I did not create. Yeah, they were presented to you. Somebody gave me those opportunities. Yeah. Same thing with you guys, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, this is, this is the human condition. Right. And when we forget that what we have is always something that we received, this is where pride comes in. And so Paul says, remember, Corinthians, there's nothing you have. There's nothing about you that was not first given to you by someone else. Most importantly, the message of Jesus, which you are now using mm-hmm. as a way to puff yourself up. Someone gave it to you. Yep. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Peter. I'm of Cephas. I'm of Paul. And then he says, and if you have received it, why then do you boast as if you did not receive it? Yeah. So stop acting like you're all that. <laughs> <laughs> this is what salvation by grace does to the human condition. It annihilates pride and boasting. Yep. Right. This gift. is why more people need to get saved. Because <laughs> the more people get saved, the more people will realize, oh my gosh, thank you, God. And yeah. stop living like I deserve and stop living like I'm better than you. Oh. And stop living like I have arrived. No, no, no. God has saved you. Be a much better world. Be a much better world. Sure would. So first, first eight. Then he, all right. This is going to be funny because now Paul gets a little bit sarcastic. I love when Paul gets sarcastic. <laughs> he does it so often. He does it a lot. And you could miss it, but I don't know. Oh, I love how sarcastic he can be. <laughs> I think we can put like this verse is at the top of the list of non-coffee cup Verses, right, right. Yeah. You don't put this on your coffee cup to read as you're drinking in the morning, because he says, "Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. And would that you did reign, so that we might share the rule with you." <laughs> He's basically saying, "Look at you. Oh my, 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 Corinthians, you are amazing. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> you're so puffed out. Yeah. Wonderful." Hey, a water church. If you if you know a preacher who likes to be sarcastic, just know he's doing it because it's biblical. Mm, Paul did it first. <laughs> Paul did it first. <laughs> Following his example. <laughs> but what is he really saying here to the Corinthians? He's saying, uh, "I don't know how you did this. I don't know how you became so important." Um, because I've looked at my life and I see that is not exactly the same. Um, situation is your life. And we're going to get to that in a moment. And he's going to lay out in these verses uh, three ways in which we fall into the trap of me ministry Mm. or me ministry, doing what we do, not for the Lord, not for other people's sake, but for our sake. Number one is a sense of having arrived. 
a sense of having arrived. So we do this thing because we want to feel like we're all that. Or we, and, and he's basically saying this in verse eight. Already you have all that you want. Yeah. You think you are all that. You have arrived. Christian, this is pride. Mm-hmm. The moment that you stop listening to leaders, the moment that you stop listening to other Christians, the moment that you start thinking, I don't need a small group. I am good on my own. Yeah. Oh, okay. How are you doing that? Yeah. If I was Paul writing to you the way he's saying that, wow, look at you. You're a Christian and you have no Christian friends. How do you do it? Super Christian. Yeah. What? What is your secret? That's basically how Paul's saying this right. to the Corinthians. But he's saying, look, you you are acting like you have arrived and you haven't. The second thing that he says is that you have this longing to be in charge. That's why he says, without us, you become kings in verse 8. Mm-hmm. So me ministry is defined by a, 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 a sense of entitlement, a sense of having arrived, I'm sorry. And then a longing to be in charge. That's what a king is. This is my ministry, my microphone, mm. you know, my job. This is my child, and they are going to do what I want them to do, or whatever. Yeah. And we start to make ourselves, you know, the king of our universe. And if there's one thing that the Bible clearly communicates, it is that there is one king. Yeah. Jesus. Amen. King of kings and Lord of lords. And so basically, he's calling them out. Look. Tons of sarcasm, tons of irony. Look what he says right after this to them in verse 9. He says, For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become the apostles, a spectacle to the world, to angels, to men. We are fools for Christ, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted, homeless. We labor, working with our own hands. When reviled, we blessed. When persecuted, we endure. When, in, when slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. And so what is all this that Paul is saying? He's saying, again, Corinthians, I don't know how you do it mm. as Christians, that everybody seems to think you're all that. Because when we do what we do for Christ, yeah. people hate us. Right. That's what he's saying. He's saying, we become the scum of the earth. People don't like us. They treat us shamefully. And so Paul's being, real, again, real sarcastic. Right. How do you do it? I want to know what your secret yeah. is. because That's me. sarcastic. You're so better than me. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. yeah. Uh, and, and herein lies um, a, a reality of, of, of Christianity. Okay. Uh, I want to put verse 10 in the New Living Translation uh, before you here. Our dedication to Christ, he says, verse 10, New Living. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools, but you claim to be so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are powerful. You are honored. We are ridiculed. And basically he's saying, um, Corinthians, uh, if if the world loves you as you serve Jesus, yeah. you, might, might, you might not be doing it right. There's something wrong. You might be doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is so important for us to hear uh, as modern-day Christians because we still struggle with this. We want to serve Jesus, but we want to be liked by the world that doesn't really believe like us. Mm. There's always going to be a tension there. And you've got to get used to this tension as a Christian. Definitely. It's going to be there. So the third thing that I had, I just didn't, you know, came up with at this point, is a desire to be loved by all. You know you're in me ministry. You're serving God for your own purposes when you have this desire to be loved by everybody. Because you're not going to be. Instead of just God. Yeah. You're not going to be, lo- well, your Christian brothers and sisters, you should be loved by them. I sure. hope so. You know, I hope you are. <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you're not going to be loved by the world. The world. Yeah. And there's a real trap here for young ministers, young preachers. 
Mm. to like avoid certain topics because that's not very, you know, culturally savvy. You know, they might not like me if I say something about it's that. It's happening now. Happening now all the time. Yeah. And Christians too. And you can't expect to be loved by the word. Let me just put up a verse of scripture that I think we need to read more often as Christians. Here it is. John 15, 19. Please listen to this. Jesus saying to his disciples, if you were of this world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. That tells you right there. Yep. If you're doing it right, they're going to hate you. Exactly. Yeah. Now, not, not everybody's going to hate you. Sure. You know, it's like, it's like there's this two-pronged reality to it. The world should love you because you do serve people genuinely. Right. You do your job well, like you're saying. Yeah. All that. Yeah. But the world's also not going to like a lot of things about you because you serve Jesus fully. Right. You want to serve him. And so, like, first Wednesday, I said this, last Wednesday night, and I want to say it again. True Christianity has always been hated mm-hmm. by some segment of the society in which it resides. Right. In every generation. Hey, they didn't like the Reformers in the 1500s. Do you know why they didn't like the Reformers in the 1500s? Because Martin Luther thought everybody should be able to read the Bible for themselves. Yeah. They, the church, the establishment at that time right. was not secularism. It was the church. And they didn't like that. And but he was pre- presenting true Christianity that we mm-hmm. might have access to the Word of God. Right. Um, uh, you know this when you truly follow Christ and you want to serve Him, somebody's not going to like it, and that comes standard. And so don't fall into this trap, the me ministry trap. Everybody's going to like me. Everybody's going to approve of me. Everybody's going to think that I'm good. Maybe you were saved at Waters Church and your family doesn't believe in Jesus and they give you a hard time. And I, I get it. It's hard. You don't like, you know, Thanksgiving and it's coming up in a couple of weeks and you're just dreading that moment. I can relate to that. Chris, you can relate to this. I can relate to that totally. It's, yeah, it's tough. But it's tough. it also empowers me to uh, live more righteously because I know I'm being watched harder yeah. around my family mm. because they will look at anything to say, oh, I thought you believed in Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So they just slip up. So they just slip Hello. up. But yes, family, I always tell people, is the hardest. But yeah, no, it definitely, that it's a tough time for a lot of us. It's a tough thing. And so true Christianity, though. When you truly love Christ, um, things like gay marriage, people, you know, why don't you, why aren't you supportive of gay marriage? Well, I believe God made a man or female. Uh, This honors God. This is a reflection of the the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, you know, all that stuff. Well, this is what, you know, the president or the the, the Supreme Court says, "Ah, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, My supreme authority is above the Supreme Court. I mean, you know, uh, abortion. You know, mm-hmm. preachers don't want to talk about abortion. I read the statistic. Very little, very few young preachers want to talk about yeah. um, issues related to abortion. And then people are avoid, afraid of saying it. Why? Because they want to be liked. Right. They want to be liked. Sometimes they're going to say something and they're not going to be liked. Uh, issues about feminism. Uh, you know, issues about transgenderism. Uh, believing that God's word is the final authority in people's lives. Yeah. That people don't. Yeah. You know, oh, I like the Bible, but I, you know, got God's word stuff. I'm not sure about that. That's 2,000 years old. <laughs> yeah, That's, yeah. Uh, no, man changes. Times Man's have changed. Times change. have changed. Exactly. Yeah, change. God never changed though. Believing that Jesus is the only way. Yeah. How dare you? Right? How dare arrogant. you? Very arrogant. Oh my God. That's uh, that's offensive. Yeah. 
Okay, but have you read history and, and really studied up on the other religions? I have. Yeah. I mean, I'm just letting you know. Yeah. There's no one better than Jesus. Amen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nope. Um, so he has the right to be the only way as, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, how about Jesus is God the Son? Mm. This is another one. Like, people are like, why do you got to take Jesus so seriously? He was a good man. He was a prophet. He was a teacher. No, he was God. Yeah. Okay. Because Amen. some people who say, I like Jesus as a teacher, have yeah. not read Jesus as a teacher. Because he, when he teaches, he says things like, if you don't hate your mother right. and love me, you can't be my disciple. That's good teaching. <laughs> what is yeah, yeah, that's, that's some good that teaching. That doesn't there. get you into the good teacher category. No, you, those are the mysteries, though, that you spoke of. That if you don't understand, you won't care. Exactly. But those are the claims of, that he's making about himself. Right. I, sh your allegiance to me should trump your allegiance to your mother, your father, your children. Me first. Why? Because I am God. Yeah. I am the one who made you, created you, informed you, and I have a plan for you. He doesn't want us to hate, literally, our mother and say, Mom, you stink. How yeah. dare you exist? No, but no. it's like those <laughs> idols you talked about, you know, the idol of the world or, you know, to follow God. Yeah. At the end of the day, if my mother is not cool with me serving Jesus, I serve Jesus. Yeah. And regardless. I still love my mother. I love my mother in sacrificial ways. But right. if she doesn't like something I'm doing for Christ, and I know it's biblical, mm -hmm. you know, it's not the, oh, the angel appeared and... God gave me a word. Now I can divorce my wife and marry this little girl. No, that's not that's not the word of God. That's if it's biblical and God tells you to do it. You know, that's you do it even if your parents don't like it. Right. right. That's what hate. That's why what he means by hating your mother and father, etc. Good. Good anyway, teaching. Good I've been teaching on a Jesus. I've been on a rant. No questions, huh? No, not yet. Oh, good. Very good. So, well, there's a couple, you know, want to know where they can get a hat. <laughs> Stay with me, people. <laughs> First Corinthians. <laughs> Those hats are going on sale for $99.95 on Sunday. Only two left. <laughs> all right. Me ministry, a sense of having arrived, a longing to be in charge, a desire to be loved by all. So, first 14, let's pick it up again where he left off. Paul says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. Just mm -hmm. look at that word, beloved children. Mm -hmm. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Okay. Phenomenal thing that Paul does here. Including encouraging the Corinthians, he also models real ministry. Right. So in these verses, he gives us the antithesis of what he has just kind of told them they were acting like. Yeah. And so it's a really beautiful passage. So Paul in verses 4 to 17, real ministry, what does it look like? Number, I got four things and then we're done. Number one, real ministry lets people know that you genuinely care about yeah. them. Yeah. Look at what Paul says. I, you are my beloved children. I am your father. Mm -hmm. I am admonishing you. The word admonish means to warn, to gently instruct with warning, like a parent for yeah. the child. Don't run into the street, honey. You'll get crushed. You know? <laughs> Don't touch the hot pot that's boiling water. Yeah. So this is what real ministry is. And, and I would say this to Waters Church, and this is a real great just like practical thing. Have you told another Christian brother or sister that you genuinely love them lately? Yeah, that's good. That you care about them. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about verbalizing it. Paul, as manly as he was, as sarcastic as he was just a few moments ago, is willing to say, hey guys, I love you. Yeah. This yeah. is why I do this. I love you. And he's not afraid to say it. And, uh, and I think that should be something that Christians model so well and so often. Number two, real ministry leads by example. Because he says, I urge you then be imitators of me. Yeah. And so Paul didn't just say, didn't just preach it. He lived it. 
And he he exemplifies it here. He leads by example. He says, look, I want you to become like me. And you say, wow, I don't lead a Christian life that I can say that to other people. Well, start repenting and changing so that you can get to that point. It's not exactly. (laughs) It's not too late. It's a process, but for sure, get on it. Yeah, it is a process. And yes, and we should be uh, examples to people and to one another and um, be be willing to say, look, I, I am, I'm, I'm not fully there yet, but I, there are some things that you can emulate in me. Right. That's not a bad thing. But that's what Christian ministry is. Number, th- number three, real ministry lays aside personal comforts for others. Yeah. Look what Paul says. This is why I sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child to the Lord, to you to remind you of my ways in Christ. And I think about this. We talked about this on first Wednesday in the message about what had just happened to Paul when he writes to the first to the book of First Corinthians. Mm-hmm. He had just been assaulted in Ephesus. He had just been, you know, railed against in a two-hour riot in the in the right. in, in the uh, audit, in the um, in the theater in Ephesus, and they're chanting and they want to beat him up, and he can't even go into the city because they're gonna literally they're gonna kill this guy. Wow. Yeah. And on the heels of that, on the heels of literally having his life threatened, he sends his most closest confidant Mm -hmm. to the Corinthians. Like at that moment, if I've just been almost chased out of town by another, by a city, (laughs) I I want my friends around. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but Paul, (laughs) but Paul's like, yeah, Paul's like, I care about you. I'm laying aside my personal comfort for you. This is why we ask you to sit towards the front in our services, Waters Church. Lay aside your personal Mm -hmm. comfort. Mm -hmm. Let other people who are new to our church sit in the back, get familiar, get comfortable that way. You know, I used to say this a lot, and then people would give us a hard time. And then we had a baptism testimony, and I'll never forget it. And the woman said, I came for the first time. I was so scared. I didn't want to sit anywhere near the front. I sat way in the back. There was an empty chair. And as the preacher talked, tears ran down my face, and I gave my life to Jesus. And I was like, booyah. That's why why we sit towards the front. It is not because I am a narcissist and I need people to sit next to me. It's because I know there are people that are coming to church for the first time and it's very scary to sit in the front of a strange church. You want them to be comfortable. There we go. I'm going to tell you about, I I preached in South Africa once. Yeah. Like three times. I went to South Africa in 2002. I preached in this church. Literally, not not an exaggeration. The first 10 rows, completely empty. Oh, wow. (laughs) Everyone's afraid. Or? Everybody. No, it's just Christians. Like, why is it? Why again? I always say, but why are the best seats at Gillette Stadium in the front yeah. and the best seats in the church in the back? Yeah. It's it's an honor issue. Yeah. You have more honor for the New England Patriots than you have for the Lord of Glory. Mm. Shame on you. <laughs> Don't get me started. Abon- Don't get me started. Abon- abon- I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go off that tangent. All right. Jeez. Anyway. Laying aside your personal comfort means parking in the parking spots that we tell you to park in. Mm. Laying aside your personal comforts means uh, going to that small group when you don't feel like it. Because somebody might need to hear from you, might need your prayers, Mm -hmm. might need you to be there for them. Well, I don't need small group. Okay, go go and be a part of a small group for somebody else who needs it. You know, laying aside your personal comfort is coming to Waters Church um, and serving and getting up early and being there and setting up at Milford and setting up at Woonsocket in these schools. My goodness, these teams. We were there on Sunday yeah. in Woonsocket. These teams in Woonsocket and Milford. You are my heroes. Yeah. I, I am blown away by the work these people do yep. to bring church to those communities. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, you are doing what Paul's saying. Lay aside oh, your sure. personal cover. You could sleep in on Sunday. You could press the snooze button. You don't. To the glory of Jesus. Amen. And fourth and finally, real ministry treats everybody equally. 
This is what he says here. I sent Timothy to you to remind you of my ways in Christ in verse 17, as I teach them everywhere in every church. And what I love about what he says right here is that I, I, what I'm telling you, Corinthians, I tell everybody. I t- I, it's not I'm saying one thing to you and one thing to the Thessalonians and one thing to the Galatians and one thing to the Ephesians. I'm, I say the same thing to everybody. And I think that's great. That's a great principle for Christian leadership. Yeah. You know, just treat everybody equally. Now, it doesn't mean that you treat everybody the same. Yeah. You have to explain it differently. Yeah. For your audience. Some people can't take straight shooting. Right. Some people can't take, you know, real compassionate speak. You know, they need to be straight shot. Yeah. Yeah. You got to treat people differently with that, but But you got to treat them equally. The same message. Yeah. That's right. The same message, different means. Right. Um, And even Jude says that if somebody's struggling, you you warn them if they're about to jump the fire, you scream at them, you know, that sort of thing. Some preach with fire, some with love and compassion. And every person needs a little bit of a different, you know, nuanced presentation. Small group leaders, that's a great tip for you guys. You got different people in your small groups. You got to learn how to treat each person individually, Mm. but at the same time being like fair, right? you know, saying the same thing to everybody. Right. It's good. Okay. So that's it. Real ministry lets people know you care, leads by example, lays aside personal comforts for others, treats everybody equally. No questions? Any questions? Uh, No, they're just mostly people just agreeing. Amen. Amen. And all that stuff. Ouch. If you can't say amen, say ouch. ouch. I think that's what she meant. Ouch. Yeah. She, well, loves the, she loves the front. Too. It was good to be back in First Corinthians. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I really love this letter. Great message. Uh, we had the last week, the financial one. The week before we had Halloween, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 500th year of the uh, Protestant Reformation. But next week. Ooh, special. Special edition podcast. Ladies. Hello, ladies. Ladies are back in town. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> you are what getting some love again next week in the podcast. My wife and Nicole and Marianne, Shane's wife, will be back yeah. for Ladies Week in the Deep End Podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope to see you next week, uh, next Wednesday. This was the Deep End. Thanks for joining us for this week's Deep End Podcast. We pray that you continue to grow in your faith and that you would serve and support your local church. If you don't already have a church home, we invite you to join us this weekend at Waters Church. We are located at 57 John Deach Square in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. And you can join us every Saturday at 4 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. Make sure to stay tuned in for next week's episode of The Deep End Podcast.